I know that this time of the year, sometimes it's, uh, we tend to miss uh, those that are not with us a little bit more, but it's a comfort to our heart to know we're going to be together again. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, and we'll look at a very familiar verse of Scripture. And I want to talk tonight about the will of God, the will of God. Jerry, good to see you here tonight. Good to have you in the service. It's always good to have you around here. Don't forget that Wednesday night we are meeting in the Family Life Center. Uh, of course, they're doing the work in here. And uh, so all the power will be off in here on Wednesday night. So we're going to meet over in the Family Life Center. So we'll be having all of our activities in our midweek service over there next week. And we're getting power run to all the lights. Several said, what's all these black things sitting up there? It's going to be a real experience for our choir when we douse them with light in the days to come. Amen. When we say let there be light, uh, there will be light. And uh, we're getting all that wired up. All goes into the TV ministry and uh, one of the most important ingredients in having a quality program is lighting, everything being lit up. So uh, uh, we, we put enough in here that if you've got a blackhead on your nose, we'll see it. So that's, uh, it'll be lit up. Yeah, we're going to have plenty of light around here. I want you to look in, uh, and, and then, of course, don't forget the uh, fellowship tonight after the service. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word. Romans 12, let's look at verse 1 and 2, a very familiar verse of Scripture. Now, you found in your bulletin this morning the little insert. It's been in there a couple of times already this month, and we're asking many of you to uh, make commitments. This is where you want to serve God in the coming year. This is how you want to serve the Lord. Many of you have already filled out one and brought it to the altar. You'll notice at the bottom... It uh, mentions that I'll give you instructions about what to do at the end of the service. We're just simply asking you during this time of the year, as we're closing out one year, getting ready for another, for you to just find out what God wants to do with you. That's really what we're asking you, and that's really what it's all about. It's not so much that we get you signed up in this work, in this particular ministry, and doing this and doing that, though that is part of it. But basically, the reason we're asking you to become a part of faith or asking you to be a part of the upper room or all the things that we do around here, really what we're saying is we want you to find out how God wants to use your life. Because I believe God wants to use every one of you. And He wants to use every one of you. He can use every one of you. And every one of you is to make yourself available to God. So I hope that you will, if you haven't filled one out, that before you leave tonight, when the invitation's given, that you'll take your little sheet in there and you'll check off and you'll say, this is where I want to serve God. And you'll bring it down here and lay it on the altar. And you're saying to the Lord in that act, Lord, this is where I'm going to serve you in 2002. But really we're talking about you finding out the will of God for your life. Let's talk about the will of God. Romans 12, verse 1. The Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is the reason. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He talks about giving your bodies, giving your lives as a living sacrifice, the renewing of your mind, the total transformation of the way you think and the way you live, that you might fulfill the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you. you may be seated. Tonight we're going to think about the will of God. Very simple. Put the thoughts before you. Have you turned to several places in the Bible? And maybe the Lord will help you tonight to learn how to know the will of God in your life. Father, we thank you tonight for the wonderful music. We thank you for the songs that have been sung tonight. They've warmed our heart. They've encouraged our heart. They've blessed our heart as we've thought about the wonderful promises that we have as a believer. I'm so thankful, Lord, for all you've blessed us with in this life. But at the same time, we thank you, Lord, that there's even something better coming. And that we have a new home, a heavenly home, and we look forward to the day that we occupy that heavenly home and anticipate the arrival of the Lord Jesus. Now, Father, we ask you tonight to speak to us. I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd help us all to understand your will for our life. Help us, Lord, to come to grips tonight with the fact that you do have a will for our life. And, Lord, help us to understand that will. Teach us tonight how to know the will of God. We'll thank you for what you do and continue, Lord, stirring all of our hearts about our involvement in the coming year, what we can do for you, where we can serve you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. Most of you probably remember the name Reggie White, especially you men, you sports lovers. Reggie White played football right over here behind us at Howard High School. Then went on to the University of Tennessee, was a star there, and then, of course, in my opinion, was one of the best defensive players that has ever played the game of football in the NFL. I remember when he was in college, he was nicknamed the Minister of Defense, and that was because Reggie White always was very public in his faith and always was talking about the Lord and always being open about his salvation and what the Lord was doing in his life. But I remember when he first went out of college, he played in one of those leagues that went defunct. And then when it went defunct, he became like a free agent, you might say, for the NFL teams. Practically every NFL team was wanting Reggie White. And Reggie White, this was his answer. When they all approached him and talked to him, he said, I will play wherever God wants me to play. Holmgren of the Green Bay Packers heard that, and he called Reggie White's house, and he left this message on his answer machine. Reggie, this is God. I want you to play at Green Bay. Well, I wish sometimes that we could plug in our answer machine and God just call and say, this is God. This is what I want you to do. It's not always that easy. But I do believe tonight that God wants you to know his will for your life. Dr. George W. Truitt said, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To find the will of God is the greatest discovery. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. And I would agree with that. It has been my joy now for a number of years to try to be in the will of God. And to the best of my ability and the best of my knowledge, I have been in the will of God for these number of years. And I remember the night when I discovered that God had a will for my life. 
At the age of 16, when I knelt at an altar and I gave everything to the Lord, I'd never thought about preaching. I'd never thought about the will of God. I never thought about full-time Christian service or a future to be lived for the Lord. That had never crossed my mind. But I knelt on my knees that night and I told God I wanted to serve Him. And I told God I'd do anything He wanted me to do. And I meant that from the depths of my heart. I was burning the bridges behind me. I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And when I got off my knees that night, I knew what God wanted to do with my life. I knew His will for me. And that night I learned something, that God had a plan for me and that God had a will for my life. The Lord Jesus Christ, when you talk about the will of God, is the greatest example. Hebrews 10, 7, Jesus said, Lo, I have come to do thy will, O Lord. And, of course, we're familiar with that scene in Gethsemane. As Jesus knelt there under the pressure that he was under, Jesus prayed, Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus was totally committed to doing the will of God. Jesus was totally submitted to carrying out his Father's will. He was here for a reason. And as he said to Pilate, to this end was I born. He came with a reason. He fulfilled that reason. He did the will of God. I guess if there's been a question that I have been asked the most through the years, it would be the question, how can I know the will of God? Brother Ken, how can I know what God wants to do with me? Brother Ken, how can I know this is God's will for my life? Well, follow me tonight. I'll give you three factors at the very end of the message, but I want to set for you three things tonight about the will of God. Would you follow with me now? The first thing that I want you to understand or see tonight is a description of God's will. A description of the will of God. I guess probably, probably one of the most misunderstood spiritual truths is the will of God. We have this conception of the will of God that if I surrender to the will of God, that it means I've got to give up everything. That if I surrender to the will of God, that it means I've got to sell my house and give up my job, and I've got to move off to Africa or some other country as a missionary. And we have this idea that if I do the will of God, that it means sacrifice and living and in a life of sacrifice for the rest of my life. Now, that might be the will of God for your life, but that's not necessarily what the will of God means. There's a great misunderstanding about God's will. You notice in the text we read a moment ago, he talks about the will of God. In fact, he describes the will of God as being good. He describes the will of God as being acceptable. And he describes the will of God as being perfect. You have a threefold description of the will of God. Look at it. The first thing that I see about the will of God is this, that the will of God is profitable. You'll notice there in, in Romans 12 too, he talks about that you may prove that good will of God. You see the word good that is used there? It's a word that simply speaks of that which is beneficial or that which is profitable. I want you to understand something tonight, that the will of God is good, that the will of God is beneficial, that the will of God is a profitable thing in your life. You see, the will of God brings blessings. It does not bring burdens. We often have this idea that if I serve God and I do the will of God, that it means I lose all these things. No, what it means is you gain so much more. The will of God is a profitable thing. It is good. But second of all, not only do you see the will of God as being profitable, but you see the will of God as being pleasing. For he describes the will of God not only as being good, but the will of God as being acceptable. 
And the word acceptable there is that it is something that is well-pleasing to an individual. It is something acceptable to the one that proves the will of God. It is a very pleasing thing. Again, the will of God is not a burden. The will of God is a blessing. Now, if the will of God meant that you had to leave houses and land, father and mother, and go to a mission field, the will of God is still pleasing. And if the will of God means that you must live your life and a different lifestyle than the average person will live, it's just not a matter of giving up something. There's something of the joy that comes in doing the will of God you can't find anywhere else. It's not a burden, but it is a blessing to do the will of God. It is not a drudgery to do God's will. It is a delight to do the will of God. It is pleasing. That's why the only people that struggle with the will of God are those that have never submitted to the will of God. For those that have learned to follow God's will and obey the will of God, they are the ones that will say, I am willing to do anything because they have learned the joy and the blessing and how pleasing it is to do the will of God. Look at the third thing he says about the will of God. Not only does he describe the will of God as being profitable and describes the will of God as being pleasing, but he describes the will of God as being perfect, that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. The word perfect there does not carry the ideal of perfection as we would think of without error or fault or whatever like that. No, the word perfect, as you find here in other places in the Bible, has the ideal of bringing to completion. It has the ideal of that which is full-grown or coming to fruition. It is a word that describes maturity and development and advancement in our life and coming to a place of completion in our life. The ideal is that the will of God not only is good, profitable for the one that follows the will of God, and it's not only a pleasing matter, but the will of God is something that brings you into other things and brings you into other blessings. There's growth in your life. There's adventure in your life. There's a development in your life. And as you follow the will of God, it produces growth in your life. As I have served the Lord through the years that I've found that every level of spiritual growth I ever reached somewhere, there was a decision involving the will of God. And you might say that one of the reasons many believers have remained as babes in the Christ is because they won't do the will of God. You want to grow spiritually? Do the will of God. The will of God is perfect. It will bring completion in your life. That's a description of God's will. It is a good matter. It is a pleasing matter. It is a perfecting, it is a perfect matter in your life. The description of the will of God. But let me just say a word about this. Not only a description of God's will, but I think about a desire for God's will or a desire for the will of God. Jot this reference down, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. The Bible says, doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God from the heart. Ephesians 6 and verse 6. And when Paul talked about doing the will of God from the heart, he's describing you doing something because that's where your heart is. This is your passion. This is your desire. This is your longing. This is what you look for. This is what you're striving for. Doing the will of God from the heart. So there is the matter of the will of God. And the issue tonight is, do we want to serve the God? Do we want to do the will of God? Do we have a desire to do the will of God? Is there something in us that says, Lord, I want to please you. I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want to glorify you. I want to be right slam in the middle of the will of God. Is there a desire there? 
Well, I have found through the years that the desire that I had for the will of God was a desire that was both cultivated and motivated. Now, let me go back and just explain what I'm talking about. Uh, the desire for the will of God, first of all, I want you to see tonight is a cultivated desire. When you talk about somebody wanting to do the will of God, I want you to understand that it begins with God himself. It is a cultivated desire. Will you follow me in the Bible tonight or just follow the screen? And let me just point out to you a few verses of Scripture and draw a truth that you find in that verse. Let's begin by looking at Revelation 17 and verse 17. Revelation chapter 17, notice verse 17. He's talking about ten kings. And, of course, ten kings uh, fulfilling an evil purpose, but yet an evil purpose that it's all a part of the plan of God to bring about His eternal plan in the end time. But there's an interesting statement made in Revelation 17, 17. Look at it. The Bible said in Revelation 17, 17, for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill His will. You see that statement there? For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. Now, here's a desire to fulfill the will of God. Here is a determination to fulfill the will of God. Where did it come from? It was put there by God. It was cultivated by God. That's one example. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 21. The book of Hebrews chapter 13, and notice verse 21. Notice this statement. Hebrews 13, 21, the Bible said, Make you perfect in every good work. Why? To do His will. Now, he's describing God perfecting us, developing us, maturing us. Same word we saw a moment ago. Bringing us along and bringing to completion a certain goal in our life. And He's perfecting us and developing us in every good work to do His will. In other words, God is working in our lives to get us to the place we'll do His will. God is working in us, and God is moving in us, and He works in this, and He works in that, and He does this, and He does that. He molds, He shakes, He prunes our lives, all with the purpose that we do the will of God. He puts in us this desire to do the will of God. But look at Philippians 2.13. There's any place in the Bible that magnifies this truth. It's a Philippians chapter 2, and notice verse 13. Here is a great verse of Scripture. Philippians 2, 13, the Bible said, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Now, look at that statement. It is God that worketh in us. There's God's interest in our life. There is God's activity in our life. There is God's work in our life. And what is He working in us? He's working in us two things, both to will and to do the will of God. Or to put it another way, God sent us to where we want to do the will of God and we will do the will of God. You see, this matter of desiring to serve the will of God is a desire that is cultivated by God. It is something God works in us. Here's, here's the bottom line. You say, I'm having, I want to please God, but I cannot bring myself to say I'll do anything God wants me to do. Preacher, I'm so scared that if I say, God, here I am, lock, stock, and barrel, that God's going to ask something of me that I really don't want to give, then I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Just come to God and say, God, would you make me willing to be willing to do your will? 
You say, Lord, you know I struggle in this area and I have fears in this area and I am hesitant in this area, but dear Lord, will you make me willing? You see, he works in us and he cultivates that desire in our life to do the will of God. It is a cultivated desire. Second of all, it is a motivated desire. Go back to Romans 12. He talked about the will of God, that will of God that is good, that will of God that is acceptable, that will of God that is perfect. And all of that is made within the state will of God is cultivated in my heart by God. Anything God has for me to do, He usually puts the desire in me to do it. And not only is it cultivated by God, but it's motivated by what God has done for us. You know why a person ought to serve God? You know why somebody should want to do the will of God? The fact that you're going to heaven and not going to hell ought to be all the reason you need to serve God. You ought to be motivated by the mercies of God. We could have all been in sin tonight. We've been here enjoying Christ. We've been here enjoying our salvation and rejoicing in what we have tonight. But you remember what it was like before God saved our old hell-deserving wretched souls? Remember how bound we were and how miserable we were in sin. But one day God saved us by His grace and gave us new life, changed us, and gave us something to shout about. Now that's all you need to serve God. The mercies of God in your life ought to motivate you to want to do the will of God. The fact that you're saved ought to say, ought to do something in you and ought to bring you to an altar where you say, Lord, if you love me enough to save me, then I'll do your will. I want to serve you, Lord, because you love me. There's a desire to do the will of God. It is a motivated desire. But a third and a final thing. Three simple little things I want to give you in this point, and that is a discernment of the will of God. There is a description of God's will. It is good. It is acceptable. It is perfect. There is a desire for the will of God, a desire that is cultivated by God, motivated by grace. But there is a discernment of God's will, understanding the will of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Ephesians 5, 17, look at this. The Bible said in Ephesians 5, 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He tells me to understand the will, that I am to know the will of God. There is to be a discernment of the will of God. Now, the truth of the matter is we don't always know God's will. I read a story just this week I thought was interesting. Over a century ago, there was a bishop, a preacher, a bishop that by the name of Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, and he stood up in his pulpit and he pronounced that he thought that man, would never have the ability to fly, and he felt that man flying, something flying heavier than air, was both impossible and contrary to the will of God. He said that in one of his sermons, and he even uh, edited a periodical, and he even made the same statement in there. He said, it's contrary to the will of God that men fly. Bishop Wright said that. Then he had two boys by the name of Orville and Wilbur, and they changed his ideal about it. You don't know your history that good, do you? Amen? But we don't always know the will of God. But how do we know the will of God? Can I give you three simple ways you know the will of God? Three factors for understanding the will of God. Number one, that's what I want to call the Scripture factor. How do you know the will of God? First of all, you start right here. See this? This is not a, just a book to decorate your coffee table with. See this right here? 
It's not just a book for you to carry to church and make you look spiritual on Sunday. This is the Word of God. This is God's guidance. This is God's Word to me. This tells me what God wants. This tells me, tells me how God wants me to live. It tells me God's purpose and plan for my life. You start with the Bible. You start doing what the Bible tells you to do. You say, well, I don't know the will of God. What you mean by that? You don't know whether you should be a preacher, deacon, teacher, whatever like that. That's what you mean. And I understand that. But you know how you, first of all, before you ever get to that place and knowing what God wants you to do there, you start by doing what He tells you to do in His Word. You don't have to pray about what the will of God is if it's already told you what to do in the Word, if He's already told you. If God has told you to go to church on Sunday, then that's the will of God. If God's told you to tithe 10%, that's the will of God. And if he's told you to put 20% in the building fund every Sunday, that's the will of God. Amen. Say amen. amen. That's Revelation 23 and verse 19. Look it up. Now, it's the will of God. And whatever he tells you to do, that's the will of God. You do what the Bible said. You start with what God has already told you to do. That's the Scripture factor. Now, I promise you one thing. If you won't do what he tells you to do in the Word, you will never know the will of God and the way you're thinking about it. Start with the Scripture factor. I believe, number two, there is a saints factor. The Bible, and especially the book of Proverbs, talks about seeking counsel from wise leaders, seeking guidance from others. I believe one of the ways you know the will of God is starting by what this book said, but second of all, it's by seeking prayer and counsel from those that do the will of God. Through the years, basically, I have never made any decision, major decision in my life that I did not speak to someone and sat down and talk to someone and ask them this and ask them that and whatever. Even this building program that we're going into, I assure you, long before I ever, ever shared anything with deacons and when God began putting it in my heart where he wanted us to go and what he wanted us to do, before I ever shared it with anybody, I assure you, time and time again, I've made phone calls and made visits here and sat down and, and asked for advice and sought wisdom. Sometimes a saint's factor is taking wisdom and seeking wisdom and counsel from godly leaders. Sometimes you know the will of God. But there's a third thing, and this is probably the most important thing. It's not I don't want to call it a scripture factor and a saint's factor, but there is a submissive, submission factor. You don't know the will of God? This is, what I, this is, this is the ingredient, this is the uh, in, in instructions that I have given time and time and time again. Someone come to me and said, Brother Ken, I, I want to know God's will for my life. I, I, they, many times the young preachers come to me, Preacher, how can I know that God's called me to preach? How do I know that he wants me to preach? Or how do I know he wants me to do this? And this is what I have told time and time and time again. I said, it's simply like taking a blank sheet of paper. And on that blank sheet of paper, here is nothing. Of course, there's something on this one here. But take it a blank sheet of paper, and at the very bottom, going down there and signing your name, and then giving that blank sheet of paper back to God. And what you did when you signed your name on that blank sheet of paper, you were saying, now, Lord, here I am. I'll do anything you want me to do. Now, you fill it in up here. I've already said I'll do it. You just put in there what you want me to do, and I'll do it. You know why the majority don't know the will of God? What you want is it filled in up here before you sign down here. You want God to put out the details, and you want to look at it. You want to check it out. 
And if it's something you think you'd enjoy doing, then you'll sign it. But if it's not what you want to do, then you won't sign it. Then, friend, you'll never know the will of God in your life. You'll never know the will of God by just waiting to get approval or to approve something or check it out. The only way you'll ever know God's will in your life is to get to the place that you'll do anything God wants you to do, no matter what it is. You've heard me tell this before. I grew up in a strong mission-minded church, much like this one. And when I first surrendered to preach at the age of 16, uh, one of the things, my dream, I mean, when I first, when no, no sooner started preaching, I dreamed of the day that I would preach and be able to pastor a church and preach Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. As a 16-year-old boy, that was a dream of mine. And I remember driving down the road when I was a teenager there, and my little old car became my cathedral. And I'd preach, and I'd spit all over the windshield, and I'd sing and take up the offering, and then I'd give the invitation. Hundreds came crawling over the hood and got saved in the floorboard of my car. I mean, I had a time dreaming of the day that I would be a pastor. But the more I prayed about the thing and the more I thought about the thing, the more, I mean, there was always this thing lingering over me that maybe I was to be a missionary. I love missions. I love missionaries to this day. And, but I wanted to be a pastor, but yet there was always this thing in my mind that maybe God's plan for my life was to go to the mission field one day. And I struggled with that, and I never really settled until one night in a missions conference when I was a student in school. On the opening night of that mission conference, I don't even remember the missionary. I don't even remember the sermon. I don't remember anything about the service. All I know was God zeroed in and caught me in the balcony that night and hooked my heart. And when the invitation was given, I made a beeline down there. Somebody come by and started to try to count. I said, I don't need anybody. I just need to talk to God. And I told God that night, I said, God, you want me to be a missionary? I'll be a missionary. I got off my knees, and I knew that night that my destiny was to be a pastor. That confused me. For all these years, I'd wanted to be a pastor, but felt like maybe God wanted me to be a missionary. Now I'm willing to be a missionary, and now I find out he wants me to be a pastor. I walked down a little apartment, walked down a little, uh, from our apartment was a little phone booth. I went home that night. I called my pastor, and I talked to him. I said, I don't understand this. For years, I, I wanted to be a pastor, and then I felt like God wanted me to be a missionary. And now I surrender to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary, but I know God wants me to be a pastor. I'll never forget what he said to me that night, standing in that phone booth. He said, all God wanted you to do was to be willing to do anything. And when I got, what I learned that night was the desire in my heart to be a pastor had been cultivated by God. And the only thing God wanted me to do was to get to the point that if he wanted me to be a missionary, I'd be a missionary. If he wanted me to be a pastor, I'd be a pastor. If he wanted me to be an evangelist, I'd be an evangelist. If he wanted me to break down truck tires, that's what I would do. Just get willing to do whatever God wanted me to do. And when I got to that point, I knew the will of God for my life. So listen, if you're waiting for God to send in, fax you his will for your life and say, this is what it will involve over the next 50 years of your life, you check it out, and if you like it, sign it, and then I'll begin to use you. You'll never know the will of God in your life. The only way you'll ever know God's will is surrender to it if you, even don't know, if you don't even know what it is. And surrender to it no matter what it is. Sign your name at the bottom of a blank sheet of paper and then give it to God and let him fill it in. That's how you can know the will of God. It's being submissive. I remember when Terry came to me. 
We never told our children what we wanted them to be. We never said to them that we want you to grow up and do this. We want you to grow up and do that. We just pray they grow up. That's the only thing we're interested in, amen. But we never said to them, boys, it'll make daddy proud if you become a preacher. Make daddy proud if you do this or whatever. We always said, you always, no matter what you do, if you keep the Lord first in your life, we'll be proud of you. So we never tried to steer them into the ministry. Never tried to challenge them to be a preacher. I never done anything like that. We felt, I felt as far as I was, that was concerned, that's God's business. It's not my business. That's God's business. So Terry comes by one night. He wants to talk to me. We sit out in the car. He said to me, do you, what do you think, Dad? you think God's called me to preach? When he started talking to me, I immediately knew what it was. I knew he called, God had called him. I could tell by the things he was asking me, the things that he was saying. I knew what was good on his heart. Dad, what do you think? You think God's coming to preach? And I said to them, I don't have any idea, boy. I don't have any idea. I don't know. Well, what do I do, Dad? What do I do? How, how will I know? I said, this is what I tell you. To, this is what I want you to do. I said, you go in there and you get angel by the hand. And I said, get you a blank sheet of paper. And both of you kneel down beside the couch or the bed, whatever there, and say, dear God, we'll do anything you want me to do, whatever it is, Lord. And both of you sign your name and give it to God and then say, Lord, put in there anything you want. And I said, God will tell you what to do. That was about 1130. About 1 o'clock in the morning, the phone rung. Terry says, guess what God wants me to do? And I said, he wants you to be a preacher. Well, you said you didn't know that. I said, Amen. But I'm telling you to do whatever he wants you to do. There's this submission factor. It's not a matter of saying, dear Lord, now, I want to do this or I want to do that. You don't have to bargain with God. You say, well, but I, I, I really want to do this. I really want to do this, but I'm afraid God won't let me do it. Maybe stop and think about it. Why do you want to do it? Why is there such a desire to do what you want, you're wanting to do? Could it not be that God's put that desire in your heart? Could it not be that desire to teach or that desire to do this has been put there by God? And all God is waiting on you to do is just say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. That means packing up and going to the Amazon. I'm on my way. It just means being willing to do the will of God. If you'll submit yourself to God, you will know the will of God for your life. Did he not say understanding the will of God does that know what he told us to do? Did he not tell us to understand God's will? Now, do you think God would tell you he wanted you to understand the will of God and then not help you to understand the will of God? Do you think God tell you to know something and then he would prevent you from knowing it? God's, it's, the will of God is not like God up in the sky dangling down a piece of bait to you and back the time you get a hold of it, he jerks it away. No, he wants you to know his will. He wants you to know what he wants to do with your life. He wants you to know more than you want to know. All he's waiting on for you to do is to be willing to do it. Willing to do it. Lock, stock, and barrel, no matter what it is. And you submit to God. I promise you one thing. He will tell you what his will is. Let's stand to our feet.